So I just thought I'd record a quick little one today about how customer interviews, right? We talk about customer interviews a lot on this show. And uh, one of the kind of things that I've noticed over the years of doing these is that actually people often know they want to do these customer interviews, but they actually don't know what to ask, right? So I thought what could be helpful is if I shared some of the questions that I asked, or I ask, I should say, uh, so that you can kind of get some insights, some ideas. Maybe you use some of these, maybe you don't, but that's okay. So in this episode, we'll just go through a bunch of questions. Why ask them? why they're good, what I listen out for, that kind of thing. You ready? Let's do it. I'm Mark Thomas. I'm the head of growth at Powered by Search. And today I'm gonna to talk you through some of the best knowledge that we have on building B2B SaaS businesses. Now, if any of this is interesting to you and you'd want to read more, you should go to our website. It's poweredbysearch.com and check us out there. Okay, so the first set of questions that I like to ask people are pretty open and they're about them, very specifically them. So for example, tell me a little bit about what you do day to day, right? So the purpose of this question is to really understand what is the difference between my understanding of this person's job and their understanding of the job. And I've got to tell you that asking this question will often give you heaps of insight into what's important to the actual person you're speaking to. Because if you think that somebody does one thing for a living, but they spend the majority of the time actually explaining a totally different bit, maybe you should be focused on what they're actually saying the bigger bit. Because it's not necessarily true that your problem is the same one as they're perceiving. Even a simple question like this can actually improve things. The next one, kind of similar, is what does a job title do? So that's a little bit more general. And so I often follow it up with like, how do you get measured? So really, really important to people in every industry is their performance. Every job has different performance metrics, but one of the reasons that people buy SaaS products is to improve their performance, <laughs> right? That sounds so simple, but it's true. It's as basic as that. And so asking a person, oh, what do you do? And how do you get measured on your results, like your output? What is the alignment there? With a question and a question set like that actually gives you a really keen understanding of, oh, what is this person actually looking to achieve at a very kind of fundamental level in their work? And maybe you can align your product to that. Maybe you can't. But in any case, understanding it is important because it ultimately helps you understand the drivers of a buyer in the first place. Then I like to move on to some kind of pain point related questions. By the way, this isn't an exhaustive list. These are just prompts that you can use. So the first pain point related question that I often ask is like, what's the most challenging part of your work? So this is a great opportunity to ask a person openly, hey, like, what do you struggle with? And because they often kind of just go off on one at this point, it's great. Like that's what you want in these interviews. You want them to talk about their lives in a way that actually gives you insights rather than confirms your suspicions. You want open answers as much as possible. And you want to give them opportunities to just really go off and speak about their lives. But remember, at a certain point, you also have to respect their time. So let's say you've got half an hour and somebody goes off 15 minutes, you've got to really be sure that that's actually useful. Okay. So you can always interrupt them. 
No one really gets annoyed by that. Say, hey, I really want to hear about that. But first, let's just talk about what you said a second ago, right? That's a great little interviewing tip. Works every time. The next thing that I often do uh, to break it up, and when I hear something that really piques my interest, is I'll often say something like, hey, I never thought about it like that. What's the impact of that? Now, this gives people an opportunity to turn it back to the kind of the measurement thing in the first place. So like if I ask someone, what's the impact of that? They will go off and they'll talk about the very specific things that it's affecting in terms of measurement, in terms of their performance, in terms of their team's performance and all that kind of stuff. Right. So that's a great way to kind of frame the impact of the problem within the organization. And then that's an opportunity to follow up with something quite similar, which is, hey, you mentioned you're struggling with, and I restate the problem that they've already told me they're struggling. How common is that problem? This can give you a pretty good understanding of whether a problem is something that someone is specifically experiencing in their organization or whether it's an industry-wide thing. Now, SaaS as a business model mostly works on industry-wide problems because it's, it's you know, most of the time a kind of a one-size-fits-all approach. And because of that one-size-fits-all approach, it's important that you understand whether an industry-wide problem actually exists. If it doesn't, maybe you don't want to talk about the specific problem that that person is struggling with. Although, hey, if you've got time, why not? It's nice to be nice. Thinking about these problem statements, I'll often ask a series of questions, and I won't go into all of these deeply, but the goal of these questions is to get somebody to open up and talk really broadly and kind of give you a lot of rich information about their challenges. So I might follow up with something that someone has said and say, oh, that's so interesting. Hey, can you, um, can you say more about that? And by the way, you'll notice that I said things like, hey, um, uh, can you, can you, right? So I'm repeating things, I'm putting in speech things. This is all part of interviewing. It makes people feel at ease. And the goal of these interviews is to get people to tell you stuff. People tell you stuff when they like you. People like you when you make them feel at ease. So I might say, can you say more about that? Or what happens if you don't solve that? to give an understanding of how important the actual problem is that you're solving for. And then say stuff like, hey, well, that must be really challenging. How do you deal with that? And remember here, the tone of your voice also really matters. So, oh my gosh, that must be really challenging. A kind of a light laugh. It puts a problem that they may be experiencing acutely with their work into like quite a lighthearted conversation. And it allows them to sort of really elaborate with no fear of being judged for how challenging something might be to their work or to their lives. How do you deal with that also gives them an opportunity to tell you like what they've tried for solving their problem already. This gives you lots of ideas about their competitors, uh, your competitors, I should say. This gives you lots of ideas about where you might be different to other people. Another one that I love to use, and I've used this in not just uh, customer interviews, but podcast interviews and everything is, oh, you must have a lot of stories about how this impacts your day to day. Like what's one that sticks out? Now I've used this question and genuinely had interviewees cry when they explain a story. Let me give you a really good piece of interviewing advice. Shut up. Now <laughs> I'm not being mean here, but shut up and stop nodding would be two of my most 
high impact pieces of customer interview advice. It's okay if your interviewee goes into a story that is emotional. And frankly, in B2B, people do that, right? Their work affects their lives. And if they're struggling with something at work, they'll often become emotional about it. Let them become emotional because they will tell you things when you are doing that silence and not nodding and kind of agreeing with everything or looking really sad for them. It's hard, but they will tell you those things that really, really move the needle for you later when you come to think about this in terms of messaging. And by the way, if you're thinking to yourself that I am like an emotional parasite, I promise you I'm not. Once the person has had ample time to explain what they're talking about, to tell their story, I always say, oh gosh, that's brave or like, wow, that must have taken a lot to get through that situation or whatever. And it's sincere. I'm not being insincere about this. And you're not being either when you replicate this for yourself. But I promise you, shut up and stop nodding is an amazing piece of interview advice. And it's totally coldly given. I'm not being mean to you. Trust me. The other thing you can say, which elicits a totally different um, thing, but a kind of a feeling of expertise for your interviewee. And again, this is about stroking your interviewee's ego to a certain extent. If you've heard something that you can't believe is true, you go, wait a minute, do people actually do that or think that? Like, why? This will almost certainly make your interviewee laugh and feel like the expert because you're amazed at something that they think is commonplace. And so they'll often go off and explain to you the very detailed things around that. And again, you're not faking this emotion. You don't know very much about their industry. Even if you're like a relative expert, they are like a deep expert. So you're learning from them. So give them a chance to explain in you know clear terms what they think is commonplace. Because realistically, you're entering their industry. They're not entering yours. Next up, you might say something like, hey, you mentioned a problem that they mentioned repeatedly a few times now. That seems like a big problem. Say more about that. Say more about that, again, by the way, is one of those interviewing hooks, techniques, that it feels blunt. I learned it on the Freakonomics podcast initially, by the way, and I've been using it for years and years now, like probably close to 10 years if I've been listening to Freakonomics that long, it feels like it. The say more about that, it gives people like a slight imperative, but also leaves it as a kind of a kind way to say, like, I want to hear more. And I found that when I say that, it actually opens up the conversation. But look, we've so far talked about pain. We've talked about general work. Now let's talk about solutions. Some questions that I use to find out um, how a buyer or prospective buyer thinks about product that I'm working on uh, might be something like, so what have you tried so far? This gives them an opportunity to not say like, hey, have you thought about doing it this way? But like, really you're saying to them, what's the complete set of options that you might have considered in this? This is partly because when we think about positioning and messaging, frequently what people do is they jump to their closest competitor. So if you're making a to-do app, you think about Trello or Asana or, I don't know, like Todoist or whatever you use, doesn't really matter. But the reality is to-do apps compete with pen and paper or not making a to-do list. 
So what have you tried so far gives people an opportunity to tell you the total gamut of the solutions that they may have thought about. The other one is when you tried a specific solution, and you can use one that they've just mentioned in that last thing, what happened? This can give you like competitor comparison page insights. It could give you ways to like, kind of eventually invert the problem for your own copy. So, uh, you know, tired of whatever they say has happened, happening, try a solution that, you know, um, your solution, whatever it is. By the way, that's directional copy advice. It's not exact. Another one that I might use is what was happening on the day that you decided to solve your problem around, and then use the pain point. There's a great one. This gives you an insight into the buying triggers. So the buying triggers would be things like, you know, hey, my boss said this to me and I realized I needed to do this, or I experienced this pain. And you would then think about how you could create content around that pain so that you could get in front of more people who are experiencing it. Buying triggers are crazy helpful in marketing, understanding what it is that makes somebody start their awareness journey or even, uh, you know, go from problem awareness, which is, you know, effectively a buying trigger to solution awareness. And then finally on this section, and actually for this whole set of questions as kind of conversation starters, because I've kept you for 15 minutes now, we would use something like, hey, you said pain point was an issue. Why did you think that specific solution might be the way to solve it? Now, this kind of marries up everything that we've talked about in this last section, where basically we're saying, look, hey, you've got this pain and you've tried this thing, but like, why did you decide to try that thing? What was the specific thought process that you went through? And again, all of this is about understanding the customer. It's about understanding the thought process of a prospect. Why did they choose and why do they buy the way that they think that they're actually going to buy? Now, one interview is not going to give you a huge amount of information. 10 interviews will give you a lot. And if you think about, you know, how you could do 10 interviews a month, potentially, your mileage may vary, by the way, your business model might be different. You're going to start stacking up a really deep understanding of how people in your industry buy. Okay. So look, pulling this together, ask open questions wherever you can. Do a lot of these interviews shut up and listen because they're going to give you gold in these things. And if I can give you one piece of parting advice, it's make notes of exactly what they say. The language that they speak in, don't make kind of like, hey, he said this, but I've thought about, I think he means this. Literally keep a transcript, if you can, word for word, verbatim of what that person said, because you can use that language in ad copy, in blog posts, in landing pages, in everything. It's so useful. All right, I'll see you next time. Now, if you enjoyed that today and you want to do something about your B2B SaaS marketing, you should get in touch with us. You can do that by going to poweredbysearch.com and checking out our assessment page, or you can browse the case studies and blogs that we have on the site. Now, if you're not ready to do that, definitely say hi anyway you can ping me on twitter i'm at i am mark thomas that's mark with a c or you can ping our founder and ceo dev basu and connect with us there looking forward to seeing you again for another episode